The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey, Rockets. I got nothing. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 409 with guests Rick Hodges and Mark Hoffman, recorded live Monday, December 15, 2008. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, BNRTV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Code Magazine the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man who sometimes feels he's diagonally parked in a parallel universe, Carl Franklin! Thank you, thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. Happy 2009. This is Carl Franklin here in New London, Connecticut. It's the beginning of another year, and uh, everybody's just sort of taking stock of uh, and just, you know, a, a great sigh of relief after the holidays always comes. We're doing a lot of work here in the studio and um, doing some new DNR TVs. You can check that out at dnrtv.com and working on some new shows with Microsoft. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the future. But for now, let's just make it short and sweet and roll the interview with Nick Hodges and Mark Hoffman. Well, well, Richard, today we're talking about Delphi, and uh, we're talking with a couple of people, Nick Hodges and Mark Hoffman. Nick is the Delphi product manager at Embarcadero, the home of Delphi, C++ Builder, Interbase, and JBuilder. Uh, before becoming Delphi product manager, Nick was a Delphi consultant, author, blogger, and Team B member. Nick has a Master's of Science in Information Technology Management and served in the U.S. Navy for 12 years. He lives in Boulder Creek, California. Uh, Mark Hoffman is the chief architect at REM Object Software and project manager for the Oxygen compiler. Is that how you say it? Yeah. There's an E on the end of Oxygen. Uh, yeah. He lives in Berlin, Germany. Welcome, guys. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. So, Nick, first of all, um, we've probably never even talked about Delphi on .NET Rocks before. Um, so, if for those who don't remember what Delphi is, give us a little history. Well, uh, historically, Delphi has been a uh, native development tool for the Win, uh, originally the Win 16, and then uh, 
so well, you know since uh, version two in 1996 for the Win32 compiler, and uh, it's generally been a uh, general purpose uh, database strong, with strong database connectivity tool for developing Windows applications, Windows servers, Windows desktop. Uh, over the years, it's uh, advanced into you know web development and uh, application server development. Um, and certainly continue to spread its reach to multiple database backends using uh, uh, our DB Express framework. And uh, it's a fully capable uh, Windows development solution for COM, for ISAPI development, for DLLs. Um, it's got a component-based visual framework called the VCL, a visual component library, that uh, enables uh, Delphi developers to build just about any kind of uh, cool user interface for, Delphi, for Windows. So it came around around the time of Visual Basic 4.0 in, in our yeah, world, it's, I think, right? Yeah, it was originally released in uh, February of the 14th, uh, Valentine's Day, 1995. Yeah. And uh, it's advanced uh, all the way up until today. The current version is Delphi 2009, which uh, brings out Unicode support and uh, a bunch of new language features like anonymous methods and generics and things into the Delphi language. And there actually is a little history um, with there's a little there's a little .NET in Delphi sort of or a little Delphi and .NET. Explain that relationship. Yeah, um, Delphi originally started out as you know Turbo Pascal, and of course. Uh, Anders Heilsberg was the author of Turbo Pascal back in the days when the product was owned and managed by Borland. And uh, eventually Anders left the Delphi team to go to Microsoft, and he's done a few things over there, I yeah. think. Yeah. A couple things you might have heard of, like the .NET framework and whatnot. C Sharp. And, uh, and... He's yeah. been up to some stuff. He's been doing some things. He's been doing some things, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, most uh, C-sharp developers or, you know, .NET developers would, rec and would recognize a lot of things in the VCL if they were to go and look at that, simply because one of Andrew's famous say sayings has always been, you know, good ideas never get old, and so a lot of... Uh, a lot of the .NET framework would be familiar to VCL developers and vice versa. So isn't the event model very similar uh, in in the Windows forms, uh, the way that parameters are passed in? I yeah, think, if it, I remember it correctly. is. Um, you know, the, the, in the VCL, the first parameter of almost every event is uh, called sender, and it's a reference to the uh, control that actually uh, initiated the event, and then mm -hmm. um, event parameters come after that. Um, .NET may do it a little differently with uh, arguments uh, class instead of a list of parameters, but basically the same idea as, as you know, you drop a button, you double click on it, and you add some code to the uh, on click event. You know, the click event there. Yeah. So it's it's, it's very familiar. You know, Delphi and uh, is very familiar. Should be very familiar to people. Yeah? Now I also remember um, uh, Turbo Pascal in college being sort of well uh, the, a really good teaching language because it was structured in such a way that you developed all your procedures separately or, or little things that you wanted to do and then your main program sort of had this nice compact list and it really didn't do anything and, and <laughs> yeah. of course well it, yeah yeah pa pascal was originally developed as a teaching language right but uh, the things that make it a good teaching language also make it a good general-purpose production language. Well, what I was getting at there, was, Nick, was um, the, the procedural aspect of it. You know, it, how does that sort of work in, a, in an event-driven kind of uh, Windows world? Well, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Pascal originally was a pure, you know, Turbo Pascal originally was a pure uh, procedure uh, language. 
And I think it was version 5.5 that introduced object-oriented programming. And so the Delphi and Pascal have always kind of been a good meld between the notion of a, of a procedural language as well as a fully capable object-oriented language. And, of course, um, you can still build a pure procedural uh, program inside of Delphi if you want to. And, of course, you can mix and match procedural code and utility libraries and things like that in with your objects, such as, you know, your forms and your buttons and whatnot. So it's a pretty good melding of the two. So would you say that somebody who's schooled well in Pascal really knows how to make, uh, for lack of a better word, more granular um, programs? Yeah, I think so. I think that's... The, the 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 thought process will put you in good stead. You know, the procedural process will put stand you in good stead when actually building a, you know, more of a component-based system. And certainly the refactoring tools and things like that enable you to really break your methods down to do single things with, you know, single thoughts instead of grouping them together in larger methods, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the new stuff. Uh, well, you know, uh, Delphi 8 was the first version that had a .NET compiler as part of it, and the uh, next three versions all had .NET compilers, uh, Delphi for .NET, and uh, we were very focused on trying to maintain compatibility between Win32 development and .NET development, you know, native and managed code. Mm. But uh, we were finding that uh, the fact that the two languages were trying to remain the same was kind of holding both of them back, and so... Uh, we finally decided that um, uh, we needed a, a Delphi solution that was really focused on .NET, and we needed to uncouple our .NET solution so that our Win32 version could focus on Win32. But uh, specifically on the .NET side, um, we realized that uh, the best way to make that happen was to license the REM objects uh, Oxygen compiler, which was a Object Pascal-based compiler for .NET that... Uh, uh, provides full support for the .NET 3.5 framework, and it lets Delphi developers uh, integrate Individual Studio. And um, and that brings uh, us to you, Mark uh, Hoffman. I was just going to turn it over to Mark. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, we started back. I think it was in 2004 originally with with Oxygen, which back then was called Chrome, because basically we wanted something. We wanted a language that was similar to what we what we knew and liked from Delphi, but was basically targeted specifically for .NET and designed specifically around how the .NET framework worked and, and the different features and the CLR architecture and all that. So we basically started from scratch developing this, this Chrome compiler and integrating that into Visual Studio. And then, of course, over the last uh, three, four, five years, that evolved into know, supporting .NET 2.0, 3.5, and so on. Hmm. So, um, what's special about the RAM objects compiler as opposed to the compiler that, uh, you know, the standard Delphi compiler? Well, I, I, I guess the main difference was that, that as, as Nick said, the, the Delphi for the net compiler was really targeted at looking as, as similar as possible to Delphi for Win32, so people right. could basically ideally take their existing code and just sort of recompile it. But, but the downside was that there were a lot of things in the language that were specific to Win32, like the fact that there's no garbage collection, obviously, in, in plain Win32, right. so you had the structures on your classes that you'd have to, had to call and all that, um, which basically over time, it's just sort of, the two things just diverged so much that that the gap, the, the gap between what was good code in, 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 in Win32 and what was 
good code in, in .NET, just sort of there was too big a gap between that, and yeah. it got harder and harder to bridge that while trying to maintain a language and an object model on top of that and all that, that, that basically tried to pretend that both looked the same. So I guess what I'm getting at is that uh, you, you, really, if you really have to, you know, the same with, uh, with C Sharp and VBNet. I mean, it's a new paradigm. You really have to step up and learn how to do things like iDisposable and, and all of these things with, with, uh, the, con- with the common language runtime. Exactly. I mean, I mean, basically, yeah. when I sort of hesitant to to make the comparison, but I I, I guess you could compare it to uh, if 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 the old VB is Delphi, and I know people are groaning right yeah, now. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then 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 Delphi for .NET sort of tried to what Microsoft didn't to to take that existing VB code and and make that runnable on .NET. Yeah. While while Oxygen was more let's do VB .NET and basically yeah. take the essence of what was Delphi, but language-wise, but sort of make enough changes so that it felt natural on .NET, but in the same time make some sacrifices for for code compatibility because some things just weren't supported or were supported slightly differently. Right, okay. Another factor in uh, all of this, too, was that about late last year, Microsoft released uh, the Visual Studio Shell, which opened up to us the opportunity to leverage, you know, the, the, the Visual Studio designers for WinForms and ASP.NET. Hmm. Previously, we were having to build our own designers into our own IDE, and uh, once that became uh, available to us, it certainly became clear that that was a smart way for us to go in terms of supporting Delphi developers on the .NET framework, the ability to plug into those powerful designers that Microsoft has for, you know, Windows Presentation Foundation, ASP.NET, the whole bit and uh, be able to deliver the languages framework support that, um, um, you know, our, our customers were asking for, as well as integrating right into the .NET development platform that's most common for most developers. So C-sharp developers can now, you know, integrate uh, Delphi Prism right into Visual Studio as they have it today. So let me get this straight. So it's not like Delphi is a separate program that hosts the the runtime or the designer. You, you're actually plugging into Visual Studio as a language. That's right. Uh, uh, we provide a language plugin as well as, you know, full integration into the IDE. So nice. uh, basically, if it can be done in uh, Visual Studio, you can do it with uh, Delphi Prism. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That was a big shift for us. But in the end, what we get is, you know, a full, fully capable language inside of a of a complete design time experience for the .NET 3.5 framework for all developers. All right, so here's the big question. You know, I'm a C-sharp developer, I'm a VBNet developer, I'm listening to the show, and I'm saying, well, that's okay, but I never programmed in Delphi or, or Turbo Pascal. Or maybe I did, but, you know, it's not my main language. What is the incentive for me? Like, what's, so, what's different about it from the languages that I have that, uh, you know, where am I going to use this if I... Is there anything I can do with this that I can't really do all that well or as easily with C-Sharp or VBNet? Mark has been chomping at the bit for you to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so, so basically, let, let me start by saying that the first thing to know is that anything you can do in C-Sharp or VB language-wise, you can do in Prism. So it's, it's Delphi Prism. So basically, it's a full superset. So you're not missing out on, on any... I know your favorite C-sharp language feature, your favorite VB language feature, if you're trying to use Prism. If I may interject, for instance, 
we have complete support for Link in the Delphi Prison language, mm-hmm. and uh, you can you know whatever Link you can do in VB or C Sharp, you can do in Delphi Prison. And anonymous methods, exactly, yeah. and anonymous types, and all those great .NET three five things. Yeah, and all that, and, and lambdas, and then back down down to two like generics, not okay. other types, but everything. I mean, take take the C Sharp language checklist, and virtually everything you can do is is going to be there as language feature in, in Delphi Prism as well. XML literals? Oh, actually, those aren't. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. Yeah, but I mean, those aren't C Sharp either, as far as I know. Sure. So. Well, there is another language, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It caused more of a VB guy from way back, right, Carl? I- I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. The XML literal is actually something we're looking we're looking at whether we want to have that in the future. It's Very cool. Something that didn't get priority uh, so far. Oh, that's great. So I guess that's that's the one thing you can do. But beyond that, I think pretty much everything is covered. All right. So we've established that you're not going to lose anything. So exactly. And then, and and on top of that, you get you get several new features that we provide that you don't have in C sharp. Um, Including one, one, one pretty big area is what we call class contracts, which is similar to design by contract that you have in Eiffel, where you can define preconditions, postconditions in your methods that are going to be enforced for you. And you can define invariants, um, uh, in your class that are also going to enforce for you. So you can say, I oh, know you have a class, I know, for your account, and then you can do an invariant, say, balance never lower than this, and then whenever public methods exit, those invariants are going to be enforced for you, and you're going to get an assertion um, hmm. okay. if you write any code that breaks those. And, and the same goes for the pre- and post-conditions that you can put in your in your, source, in, in, in your in your method body, so you can actually, if you, I don't know if you are familiar with, with Pascal's, and basically you got a method, and you just usually begin, then you have the code at the end, just like in c you have curly braces, code, curly brace, close. Sure. And in in, in in prison, you can do require, and then you can list a couple of requirements, like, I don't know, this property has to be set, this parameter has to be set to a value okay. greater than zero, whatever, and then begin, then your code, and at the end you can say ensure, and then again you can put in statements that sort of have to be true, and if they, if they aren't, you're going to get an assertion. So it's kind of an implementation of a sentry pattern. Sort of, yes. Yeah. Reminds me of Spec Sharp, actually. Remember we talked to Rustin Lino? That's right. Oh, long time ago. <laughs> it's not like yeah, it's, it's Eiffel has the design by contract. It's the same similar thing, right? It's, it's basically it's, it's modeled sort of after Eiffel, but it's not exactly the same. Which is why we're not calling it design by contract because they actually have a trademark. What you want to call it on on it being done specifically the way they want it. Now, what's this about mono support? Well, uh, one of the things we've uh, ex- explicitly done with the product is ensure that we completely support uh, the Mono framework. Um, uh, you know, uh, as, you, as you guys know, I'm sure the Mono is, you know, an implementation of the CLR on, I think they do it on Linux and the Mac are the two main areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, we work very also. hard to make sure that Delphi Prism supports Mono development. So basically, if you can do it with, on the Mono framework, you can do it in Prism. And Mark probably could talk a little bit more about specifically about the Max support that we've got. Max yeah, or, or maybe even general. I mean, I mean, I mean, people who, who use C Sharp can use Mono as well, of course. But basically, the, the, the support you get is the extent that you can write your C Sharp application, you can build in Visual Studio, and then if you copy it over, it might run or it might not, depending on on what kind of classes you're using. And what 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 we support? One of the things we support with Prism is that inside Visual Studio, you can 
link directly against the Mono framework instead of the .NET framework. So you can say, well, say you set up different targets for your application and say, I want to build against Windows if I select, I don't know, release Win, and I want to link against Mono if I build release Mono, and it's actually going to use the specific assemblies from Mono, so you could compile time errors if you're using stuff that's not there in Mono, but it's in WinForms or the other way around. Right. And you can directly access um, t- types in the Mono versions of the DLLs that might not be there in the Windows version. Right, and this begs the question, and, and I know that you guys aren't, we haven't talked to the Mono, I haven't talked to Miguel in a while, but what is the state of Mono in terms of support for Windows Forms? That's a good question. I'd, I'd say that largely depends. Um, I, I think in general their support is pretty good on Linux, I think. Um, on on the Mac they have some basic support for WinForms running, but there's still lots of limitations. But um, it's always been my stance for, for cross-platform development that you don't really want to just take your WinForm UI and then just run it on Linux or on the Mac anyway, but you basically you want to create specific UI that, I don't know, looks proper for the Mac and looks proper for the for Linux and looks proper for the for for Windows as well. Yeah. So what 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 we have is we have support for certain wrapper libraries that are in Mono for building native Mac UIs, and we're also going to have soon similar support for the Linux side. We can actually build Mac specific UIs and then hook those up say to your same backend code. That yeah. you share with your Windows version, and of course, there's Moonlight, which is the Mono implementation of Silverlight. Do you know uh, what the state of that is? Uh, I think there's somewhere on around the release candidate state. I, I gotta admit, I, I haven't looked at it myself because I'm I'm not a bit Linux user myself. Well, that brings us to Silverlight. I mean, do you have support in general for ASP.NET, and uh, and what about Silverlight? Yes, uh, the Silverlight support is actually kind of interesting. You know, uh, it's it, it while we were developing Prism, you know, it, uh, Silverlight went. The 2.0 was released, and so it was kind of in beta for a long time. And uh, uh, we we can support the we support Silverlight at the language level. Um, of course, the design time bits for Silverlight have to be installed separately in Visual Studio. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I've been working with the Silverlight team and the installation team because the Silverlight Visual Studio bits won't install into the shell. But uh, that was a surprise, I think, to the Silverlight team. They didn't really realize that that was the way it worked. But uh, yeah, Silverlight should uh, Silverlight support is there, and uh, we can support at the language level and at the IDE level uh, doing Silverlight development as well. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who bring you this special message. What's more important for your web applications: high performance on the server or on the client? How about footprint, number of server requests? There are so many potential bottlenecks that can drag your application performance, and of course, there is no universal solution for them. The good news is the guys from Telerik understand the complexity of that problem. When building their UI components, they isolate every probable source of performance loss. Then they apply a respective solution for different products, different scenarios, and even different browsers. The techniques vary dramatically. As a result, you, the developer, receive out-of-the-box, highly reliable components that are optimized in every aspect of their behavior. I'm sure you'll be interested to learn more about the various performance-boosting techniques for web applications. Just go to Telerik.com slash top performance for details and live demos. Okay, and what else is uh, what else are we getting with Delphi Prism that we wouldn't get with C Sharp? So, so we have some we have some pretty thorough support for the for parallelism features 
in part based on the on the parallel framework that that's currently in beta. Nice. Um, so, for example, we have we have parallel loops where you can just take a normal for loop and you just sort of slap a parallel keyword on it, and that's going to make it a parallel loop automatically. Wow. And but but what what's what's cooler though is even we have we have support for what we call future types. So you can what you can do is you can de- declare a type. You can you can declare a variable, say not of type in, but you can declare of type future end in thirty two, say. And what that means is that that variable isn't actually an in, but it sort of represents a task that's going to run in the background at some time and calculate that in for you. Um, but on the language level, it's 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 accessible like an in, so you can just just pass it around and you can use it in an algorithmic expression. And it's just going to transparently sort of put that in there when needed. And you also have some si- some sort of uh, database server, right? Yeah, we uh, uh, we ship uh, ship Blackfish SQL inside of Delphi Prism. Uh, Blackfish SQL is a fully is our fully managed uh, SQL ninety two compliant rem- uh, relational database. Um, it ships as a .NET assembly. It's about one point one megabytes in size, and it can run in process or out of process. Well, I guess that makes a difference. Uh, no, it can run in process or out of process, and uh, uh, it does, you know, full transactional support. It's got full SQL 92 compliance, and uh, it's it's a very powerful little database. Um, you can embed it in your application as a uh, local data store, or you could use it and you could run it as a server and use it as a, you know, a departmental or even enterprise level uh, database. And uh, we include uh, full full deployment for that with. Uh, Limitations that are pretty similar to what uh, uh, SQL Express has, so uh, uh, database size and uh, uh, connection limitations. But otherwise, the applic- you know that uh, that uh, database server is fully available to you, and we provide complete connectivity through ADO.net for it as well. So, what are we talking about? Ten connections or so, two gigabyte database. The, yeah, I think uh, in the professional version, it's uh, we call it one user, which is five connections and five hundred twelve megabyte. In the enterprise version, you get uh, uh, 25 users, 20 connections, or four users, however that works. I think it's five users, 20 connections, we call that, right. and two gigabytes. And then we sell deployment licenses past that. But for you know a small ISV-type application, that should be plenty uh, in terms of you know building up app- building up databases or building an application. Well, like you said, it's a SQL ex- Express implementation, which means, I mean, the main thing is I'm looking for is give me the cheap solution to get started with, and when I need more, I can migrate painlessly to something bigger. Well, that that's an interesting word there, painlessly. How painless is it? To migrate. Uh, to, my, to put the new licenses in? Well, to, to migrate up. And do you have anything that scales on the order of SQL Server? And if you don't, then what about migrating to SQL Server afterwards? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, Blackfish SQL should scale fairly well. I mean, I'm not sure that you'd want to run Amazon on Blackfish Server. Right. But it certainly is capable of uh, uh, running uh, your departmental level or your enterprise, you know, small to medium business enterprise level database. Um, the beauty of SQL, actually, Blackfish SQL, actually, is it's really, really, really simple to deploy. It's just a DLL that is uh, that is that it runs, and because it takes advantage of the .NET framework, the DLL, as I said, is only 1.1 megabytes in size. You can, if you wanted, if you were wanting to migrate, you know, to SQL Server as you move the application forward, since it's ADO.NET based, it should be a fairly straightforward move to move it from the ADO.NET driver 
you know, migrate your database over to SQL Server if that's where you were headed. Has the same store procedure model and all of that security model? The uh, Blackfish store procedure uh, solution is to, you can you build your store procedures in any CLR compliant language. So you could build them in C Sharp, VB.net, and of course in Delphi Prism. What about in T-SQL? Is it T-SQL compliant? Uh, I don't believe it's T-SQL compliant, no. I believe it uses a SQL 92 uh, spec. So there might be some issues there in terms of, you know, esoteric SQL constructs that you might use and whatnot. Okay. Uh, but basically, it's it, it's basically designed to be sort of embedded into a .NET application or... Um, that we actually have drivers on the Delphi side, so you can access it with uh, from native... Delphi applications as well, so it could oh, cool. be a, it could be used as a straight client server database as well. Um, and, and thoughts around how tough is it to migrate from here to SQL Server? Well, uh, it would depend on the SQL that you used in Blackfish. If you know if you were conscious of what you were doing with the notion of migrating forward to, to SQL Server, um, you 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 probably would be okay simply because it does use a standard ADO.NET driver, right? But it really comes down to the store procedures and the... Sure, that's going to be painful, it sounds like. Yeah, that part probably would be, yeah. It, it, because store procedures would be written in, say, Delphi Prism, and you can do that with uh, SQL Server as well, but uh, the interface probably wouldn't be exactly the same, and you probably would have to migrate. Well, because those are nowhere near any standards, so they're, they, they, the whole CLR-level coding thing is going to be very different. Yeah. And it depends... Well, yeah, with... That's the difference between SQL Server and Blackfish. Blackfish depends on CLR stored procedures, whereas SQL Server has its own, um, you know, uh, ability to provide either CLR-based stored procedures or uh, the standard stored procedures on board with using T-SQL. Right. Okay. That's a, that's a core difference, and it's an interesting discussion right there uh, as to how far you go. I've definitely worked in other databases like... Uh, uh, Postgres, uh, which also got into very interesting querying uh, and and ability to write very unusual store procedures. Right. So it's a plug-in for Visual Studio. Does, do you also have a RAD product, a, a standalone product? Yeah, we, we, sell, we sell the product two different ways. One is uh, you can buy Delphi Prism as part of our RAD Studio product, and our RAD Studio product consists of Delphi uh, C++ Builder, which is a C++ version of Delphi, if you will, uses the same VCL Visual Component Library. And then we also include and bundle in Delphi Prism into that. And uh, so basically you can buy a, you know, a .NET and a, man, a native code solution all in one package. And, of course, we also sell Delphi Prism as a standalone product, separate, um, as a Visual Studio plug-in. Um, and, of course, the installer is smart enough to see that you have a Visual Studio install already, and it'll install into an existing Visual Studio uh, uh, instance. Or, if you don't, it will install the shell and then install itself into the shell. So if your machine doesn't have any Visual Studio on it at all, the installer is smart enough to figure that out and do the right thing, install the shell. Okay. And and just getting back to, I, I really want to sort of drill into a few of these features that separate this uh, as a language. You you said that there was built-in support for the parallel library. It, you know, it seems like you guys are sort of embracing stuff that Microsoft uh, is just you know uh, just coming out with, like some some really new, very cool things. Well, yeah. Historically, Delphi had been kind of struggling to keep Delphi for .NET had been doing some struggling with um, 
maintaining support for the most current versions of .NET Framework. And now one of the cool things about Prism is we're not only meeting but exceeding what, you know, some of the other tools do. And we certainly have uh, the capability and the ability to keep up and stay ahead of and keep an eye on things like what Visual Studio 2010 is doing and what the .NET Framework 4.0 is doing. Mark can probably address some of that more specifically. Definitely. I mean, just to give some history, I mean, for example, we shipped uh, back back in 2005, we shipped the version that officially, officially supported .NET 2.0 the exact same day that, that 2.0 went RTM from Microsoft's side. And we had supported in beta versions, obviously, uh, long before that. And we shipped official link support before Visual Studio 2008 and .NET 3.5 actually went final. We actually shipped that a couple of months earlier. And we're planning to do the same again with, with the stuff that's coming out in, say, .NET 4.0. So we're going to be definitely be ready to use that as the betas come out and, and certainly be going to have that in final Final support for that once once the final version of that is released as well. So it's I mean that's that's something that's very very important to us that to always be be at the cutting edge and then support everything that's coming out because I mean to be fair that would be one big reason for people to to choose C sharp over Prism if they see they're always going to be behind. Right. Sure. So what are some of the other, those other little great little language features? Okay. Let me think. Um, one thing that, that that's pretty nice, I think personally, is that we have enhanced support for nullable types. Basically, I mean, I mean nullable types something that's, that's in C sharp as well, of course, as you know. But but basically, we have extended that. Um, for example, in, in C sharp, a nullable type always acts like a nullable type. So you always, if you want to like use it in an expression, you've got to do dot value and do awkward castings and, and back and forth and all that. And what what we have in in in, in Java Prism, what we call extended nullable types, is that you can just you can just plunk a nullable type into an expression, and that entire expression is suddenly just going to become nullable as well. Um, and it's going to do the proper logic for that. So you can say you have a nullable int and a normal int, and you can just write, I don't know, x colon equals my nullable int plus my normal int, and the result is going to be another nullable int, and it's going to do the proper math whether that int actually is null at runtime or not. So that allows you to, to I don't know, use nullable types in, in pretty complex expressions without always having to think think down to a non-nullable type again. And you have some built-in analysis tools, is that right? I mean, we, we basically support FXCorp and, and all that, but beyond that, we don't really have any... I mean, we've got, I don't know, some structural analysis, like, I don't know, warnings for unused variables and then things like that, but... But on that okay. front, I don't think we have anything that, that, that goes beyond what, what, say, C-sharp or so does. So is, the, is, is Mono what gives you code-level support for Coco-sharp and GTK-sharp? Or is that, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce those things. Yeah, it is. Yeah, basically, Coco-sharp and GTK-sharp, and, and there's a couple other libraries that, that are emerging on the Mono side for for Max as well, specifically. I mean, those are just libraries that you can use, and you can, in general, you can use them from C-sharp, or just like you could use them from Prism, of course. Yeah. And obviously, the Mono guys that are writing those are using C-sharp. But what we have, again, is we have some enhanced IDE support that makes it easier to work with those. On the Mac, there's, there's a certain file type where you design your uh, interface in, comparable to, say, a XAML file. I mean, it's not a XAML, but it's conceptually it's on, on a similar level. And what, what we have support for is you can take this file and put it in your in your Prism project, and then that, that's going to generate code behind for you 
using, using a custom tool, so that you can just code against the objects that are in that file without having to write that code manually. So, so say you, you drop a button on a form, and then you go back to Prism, and then you can just write button dot, I don't know, title, whatever, and, and use that. And, and that's, that's basically IDE smarts that we're providing in the back um, for you to make using Coco Sharp or all those other libraries easier than, than they would be from C Sharp, where you'd have to basically do this all manually. And, and another thing we do is that, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with, 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 with Mac applications. I mean, probably most aren't. But, but basically, I mean, if you compile a mono application, what you just get is, is you just get an .exe file that you can't really run on either Linux or the Mac without, I don't know, basically invoking it manually through the mono runtime. And what you need to do on the Mac is sort of bundle that into, into a .app, it's called, which is then the, the standard Mac application that you can just double click and then run. And again, we provide support for that. So as part of you compiling your application in, in Visual Studio, we actually generate this .app so you can just move it over to your Mac, double click it and run it and you know, test the bug and so on. And again, that's, that's something that if you're using C Sharp, you have to sort of do that manually. Mm. Okay. You know, I was just thinking, we sort of talked about this briefly at the beginning of the show, that the idea that you, you've made this conscious decision to sort of split and maintain the old Win32 Delphi while going off and, and into this the .NET version of Delphi make them very different. I was trying to imagine if Microsoft had done a similar thing and kept the original VB, you know, VB6, instead of leaving it behind, it kept going. What's it like right now, the, the, the Win32 development product? Well, uh, it's uh, it, we like to think it's the best Win32 development tool on the market. Um, we provide a full rapid application development environment in terms of a component-based drag-and-drop designer. Um, the Delphi language itself has got many, many, you know, all the expected language features that you'd need to do uh, uh, native development. Particularly in the last version, we added uh, anonymous methods and generics both of which, of course, you know, are very powerful uh, language uh, features that enable you to sort of build on top of them. For instance, so we're taking the combination of generics and anonymous methods and building a parallel library for Delphi so that uh, you can start doing parallel multi-core type things just using those two language features in concert with each other. Um, we like to think of our, you know, we like we say that Delphi and believe that Delphi is the only rap true rad tool to develop on, uh, to, you know, to do drag-and-drop development for native Windows. So uh, we like to advertise the speed of the compiler, the power of the, uh, uh, you know, native binaries that are built from it. So if people are looking for native solutions without runtime dependencies, Delphi is the place to go. And so sales are continuing. This is just not maintaining the legacy apps of Delphi? No, absolutely not. Um, you know, even Microsoft themselves are realizing that native code development uh, is still of great interest to people. And, uh, uh, you know, with their advancing, M they're continuing to work their MS MFC framework forward, bring that forward on the C++, C++ side. So uh, native development continues to be of great interest to people. Um, a lot of ISVs, you know, want native development because they don't want to have to worry about the having the proper .NET runtime. Um, a lot of our customers do... Uh, straight, uh, you know, desktop client-server applications at the departmental level say they don't want to have to hook into the big enterprise-level uh, development structure, and they just want to be able to build quick 
powerful applications for their departments as opposed to, say, the whole enterprise. Um, another place that Delphi is really cool, works very well, is uh, instrumentation, industrial applications. Anytime you have to talk to hardware, um, we have a customer who builds a complete um, robotic warehouse using Delphi wow. for both That's the amazing. front end and the back end to control a robotic warehouse. So native development is far from dead, and Delphi is uh, pressing forward, and uh, Delphi native development is definitely pressing forward, uh, keeping up with Vista. We have we provide full support in the VCL for Vista APIs and Vista, you know, the glassing and the arrow interface and everything. So Delphi continues to be a vibrant, capable language, and that's the pitch for your .NET developers who might be interested in still doing native development. Okay, and and but that's running in the RAD environment, not in the Visual Studio environment. That's correct. Uh, we continue to build our own. Uh, we have our own uh, IDE. We call it the Galileo IDE, and uh, it is a fully native. It actually the Galileo IDE actually hosts the uh, .NET runtime. For instance, uh, we use even on the Delphi side the MS Build framework, and uh, uh, so we actually do leverage the .NET framework for native developers. So, guys, whatever happened to Borland? Wow. Um, Borland is uh, an ALM uh, company headquartered in Austin, Texas, and uh, they made a decision a couple of years ago to uh, head in the direction of providing ALM solutions, and uh, they decided to get out of the developer tools business, and so they uh, sold us, that is the developer tools group, to Embarcadero. ALM? What's ALM? Just uh, Application Lifecycle Management. Uh-huh. Um, they had tools uh, like uh, Star Team and Caliber and other testing frameworks, and they've been building up that market. And, I think, uh, I think that you have to explain what ALM means. It says it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and so, you know, we're, we're uh, full. You know, the the developer tools version of Borland, what probably most people think of as old Borland, is now part of Embarcadero, and Embarcadero is a company that uh, made database development tools, tools for managing and developing databases. And so you combine that with the application development tools uh, that uh, the, the developer tools group from Borland came up with, and it, we, we provide a pretty comprehensive development solution for people who have database application needs. I'm trying to remember what it, Embarcadero's original claim-to-fame product was. ER Studio is probably the one you're thinking of. Right. Um, that's... The, the entity relationship diagram tool that, uh, built, you know, you can design it, databases and, and create databases with it. That's prop, is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, I, I think you're right. Of course, every so often my database chops show up and, and I have <laughs> done data modeling with Irwin and I'm pretty sure I used ER Studio at one point in my life. Yeah, I'd say Irwin is probably the, you know, the main competitor to ER Studio. Yeah. Right. Yeah, those are, those are sort of the big, the big fish to that, that whole business. Yes, that was, sort of their flagship product, and Delphi is sort of our flagship product, and you combine them together, and you get a nice, powerful uh, solution, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, now, now you're talking about core, good old-fashioned development. Like, it's a, it really suddenly is a flashback to 1998 for me to think in those terms, because we've been so immersed in uh, this whole managed uh, development environment, and we've forgotten that that, that that way worked. Worked just fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's still a strong demand for that. But the uh, cool thing about being a Delphi developer now is you can develop native and or, or managed code, and uh, you can do it all in one package with Rad Studio. But how diverse, I mean, the language has obviously diverged more now that you've separated them. Uh, yes, they what's have. What's the compatibility um, like, the like code, 
that you, if you've written Delphi code in the past, uh, we have tools that will help you migrate it forward to Prism. Um, and we're doing what we can to increase the compatibility. I shouldn't say increase. Well, you know, increase. Maintain the compatibility between the two languages while not sacrificing the ability for that language to support the particular platform. Uh, as Mark talked about earlier, uh, you know, there's things in that, uh, that languages that support the CLR need to do that don't necessarily make sense on a Win32 language. And so the syntax remains very, very similar um, but uh, in general. But, of course, there's features that are going to make Win32 work, and there's going to be features that are going to make .NET work. And so we'll do what we can to maintain a compatibility there. Uh, the language Prism certainly is going to be very familiar to a Delphi developer, but uh, we want to make sure that both of those tools support the platforms that they're intended to support as well as, as they can. Yeah, I, I think the core point is that, that basically the the expertise you have in writing Delphi code is portable between the two. So if you if you're familiar with writing Delphi code, you're going to feel right at home writing Delphi Prism code, and vice versa. And obviously, if if you're doing doing both, then switching between the two is going to be pretty seamless as well. Because I mean, you still have the same language concepts and constructs behind, even if there are right. If you looked at yeah, if you looked at some code from Prism and you looked at some code from uh, from Delphi for Win32, you, you'd you'd be hard pressed to tell the difference. I mean, there'd be some subtle differences, but you'd be very hard pressed to, at first glance, notice any difference at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the main difference would be use of say .NET classes, things like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you got in 32.convert, then obviously you see that. <laughs> But I also think it's very much a one-way trip, that the code that was in the Win32 version of Delphi would probably port to the Delphi.net incarnation pretty easily. But as soon as you start using the framework, you're using WPF or any of those sorts of things, that's not going the other way. Well, you know, I'm not Correct. so sure. I'm not so sure, and you guys can verify this, but I'm not so sure it is as easy to 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 move from non-managed code to managed code. I mean, look at the problems Microsoft had. Do you do you have any of those same kind of problems? Well, it it would depend on what kind of development the developer was, you know, the code the developer was doing. Um, code that uh, makes use of standard objects and our standard runtime library probably would come over uh, much more easily than, say, code that was doing a bunch of pointer manipulation or, uh, you know, uh, streaming using strings and pointers and things like that, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, in As a general rule, a Delphi guy is not going to necessarily do a lot of bit twiddling simply because the runtime library and the framework provides enough power for them to do the things they need to do. But there is code that's out there that's still got pointers and doing um, uh, pointer arithmetic and things like that that doesn't make sense in the managed platform, so you wouldn't necessarily even want to migrate it even if you could. Yeah, and that's the same story. I mean, there are sure, some things exactly. that just don't port. It's not. There's no magic wizard that you can run and everything works. Correct. Just simply because the differences between the two flat platforms is significant enough. You've probably had the same pain or, I don't know, pain or same situation um, with the BB stuff, right? Sure. Oh, yeah, even more so because of the difference in the languages. You at least kept the language uh, fairly fairly similar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The I mean, even on the VB side, I know the language itself was altered such that it took a pretty significant. Right. You didn't have we. One of the biggest problems we had in VB is uh, option base zero. You know, arrays were were one had the option to be one based, and so a lot of people wrote code with one based arrays where the first element was one instead of zero, 
And that throws off the whole, you know, if you're if you're now looking to see how many items are in the array, you use like count <laughs> right, yeah. or count minus one. So there's all these minus one problems all over the place. That actually sort of is a problem that that, that people might have getting Delphi code to to Delphi Prism because Delphi use uses uh, one based strings, and of course .NET strings are zero based. So this sort of again, that's a platform issue, right? Yeah, as opposed to language issue, yeah. Same kind of thing, I guess, with VB. So, guys, uh, what's coming? What's the next? I, I see we've got 3.5 support. Where are you focused right now in the future versions uh, in terms of the framework and, and what you're, you're going to adopt first? Well, w- w- one thing we're focused on, of course, is, is what's coming in, 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 in version 4.0 of, of the .NET runtime and in, in, in IDE side and in VS 2010. So that's something we're looking at. Uh, another thing we want to put more focus on is getting even better tools in there to make mono development easier. For example, some of the stuff we talked about for the Mac side, we want to have similar stuff on, on, on Linux as well for, say, doing GTK Sharp and and, and those things. So, so those are two big areas. Um, another thing we do want to look at in, in the longer term is integrating into other IDEs than just Visual Studio. So, for example, Getting Prism inside Mono Develop as well. That's that's actually sort of sort of interesting story. It's actually something we have we sort of have working internally, but we can't ship right now for because Mono Develop is GPL at this stage. So yeah. basically, if we would ship it, we'd have to basically make <laughs> Prism GPL as well. So basically, it, it runs internally, but we can't give it out. But we're working with the Mono guys to to get the license changed on on on, on Mono Develop and basically get those last parts that are GPL rewritten and hopefully that's going to happen sometime over the course of the next year so hopefully sometime next year there there might be prison inside mono develop as well which of course is good news for people who want to work natively on on Linux or the Mac without running running VMwares with yeah the uh, the, the prison studio the Prism compiler actually is a managed application, so the Prism compiler will actually run on Linux and the Mac. That's a good point, yeah. So you can actually, yeah. the command line compiler you can actually take and, and, and use on a Mac or on a Linux or deploy on your Linux servers with your ASP.NET websites and things like that. But obviously, of, if you want to use Visual Studio, you're still sort of tied to running that on Windows for obvious reasons. So what's interesting about this is we're seeing that Silverlight is headed that way when we were offer, offering Mac and potentially Linux support. Uh, but only in a browser, and you guys are just not even bothering at that part, saying, go ahead, knock yourself out. Yeah, sure. That's part of what we want to do is make sure that uh, Prism uh, is the cross-platform CLR tool. It's one of the things we want to do. A couple other things we're doing, too, looking for the future is, uh, you know, we provide ADO.net uh, support via our DB Express framework, which is the uh, database, app- database access framework we use on the Win32 side, and we actually have a bridge that bridges that over to ADO.net, so we get, say, Interbase and Blackfish support that way, and we want to expand that support to our complete complement of DB Express database backends like DB2, Oracle, um, uh, MySQL, things like that. Um, and that also enables us to another feature we we like to we provide is a uh, sort of a database neutral ASP.NET provider. Um, right now, you know the ASP.NET provider in the framework itself is SQL Server based, and if people want to use, say, Blackfish or Interbase or some of the other DB Express based drivers to do uh, ASP.NET backends, 
for their memberships, roles, profiles, and things like that. We can we support that. Another mm-hmm. thing we're looking at doing too is kind of I don't know how to describe this uh, without, and I, and I hope people don't take it the wrong way, but we want to kind of do stuff Microsoft won't do. Um, you know, there's the alt dot net community is out there, and we are looking at trying to provide integrations and support for some of the alt.net solutions like, uh, you know, nHibernate, uh, spring.net, um, some of those other things. So we're looking at possibly an end unit would be another one, trying to integrate some of those in and provide support for those right in the IDE. Because we know that there's some, you know, Microsoft, uh, some .net developers out there who don't necessarily uh, want to use the def- sort of default solutions, so looking at sort of the alt.net thing. So we're kind of hoping to support some of that in the future as well. You can use all those in Visual Studio, too, like I should point out. Sure, of course, yeah. But we want to sort of explicitly support them and, you know, uh, and pr- you know, possibly ship them in the product as as a as an okay. integrated solution. That's interesting. Well, guys, uh, it's coming down to the end of the show here. You got any uh, last-minute pitches or shout-outs or anything that you want to say? Um, well, I... I just want to say thanks for having us on. Uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's really fun to be able to come on to the .NET Rock Show and talk about Adelphi.net. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, and uh, be able to say things like supports the complete .NET 3.5 framework. That's a real thrill. That's very and, cool. And uh, it's certainly due to the great technology from REM Objects, that's for sure. And Mark Hoffman, thank you very much for joining us, too. Thanks for having me. Okay, and Nick, thanks again. And we will see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a